Hey, welcome everybody to a weekend edition of Conduct Detrimental. This is Daniel Wallach, one of the co-hosts. My fellow co-host, Dan Lust, is off for the weekend, so we're just going to have a one-host show with a return guest who's been all over the news this week, A.J. Perez, the writer, columnist for Front Office Sports. I mean, his outlet just did a piece on some of the top insiders in the world of sports. Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. If there ever was a sports law insider or a sports industry breaking news insider, it's A.J. Perez. So I'm going to help you renegotiate your contract, A.J. Welcome (laughs) Welcome back to Conduct Detrimental for the fifth, sixth, or seventh time I've looked yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that, that was Mike McCarthy's story. It's a great read. Let, let's go to the story of the story of the week, story of the year, story of the sort of the decade in the National Football League. We're beginning to reach critical mass. That phrase has appeared in a whole bunch of articles about the impending sale of the Washington Commanders or the potential that the league and, and their owners are going to try to boot them out. And we're coming up on a date, March 26, which is which is the next owners meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. Where do things stand today? I know you've reported it all week, but it's a it's a minute by minute changing story. Is there any movement on the Dan Snyder front on the sale process? Yeah, that's what hard to hard to determine. It was basically Monday. I reported in the morning that the owners had become frustrated with the pace of the sale, and then we see this later that day. Washington Post comes out with Dan Snyder wants identification. Dan Snyder doesn't want the Mary Jo White report to come out. Obviously, the the Washington Commanders denied that report. Then ESPN comes out with Don's Don's story about what was that? Because we broke the story about the subpoena um, about 10 days ago. But then uh, ESPN comes out and just details details what was really part of the investigation, which was over this loan and whether it was properly approved and whether Roger Goodell kind of didn't let the arbitration process pursue that part of it, whether where that loan was taken out properly or not. And so we really know because we were going for, for how many since it was reported the day that he sold that the DOJ was onto something. And we were all using the financial irregularities. That is not a crime. So as a reporter, trying to figure out what was this, what what are they doing? What is that grand jury doing? Has been has taken that long and credit to ESPN and to Don to get into the getting to the bottom of it. Yeah, Don was the guest on our Yeah, I listened. So we're going bookending here. You have Don uh, onto AJ. We're going to just basically be the Dan Snyder podcast until uh, the end of the owners meeting. But you know, the Bank, Bank of America came into this process on on November 2nd. We're now entering the fifth month, fifth month of, yeah. a, of a sort of a an auction or a sale process. And yeah. already it may be one of the longest selling processes on record. Why is it taking yeah. so long so to dispose of or sell a team when it's really the only one available in the NFL? So yeah. many people want to own an NFL team or professional sports team. It's a billionaire's toy. There are, there are more than enough billionaires to go around why is well, this taking so long? That's the problem. Like, right, they're running out of billionaires. That, that, that was a quote I had within a couple of days of the, the sale announcement or whatever, exploring a sale announcement. Really, one of the, one of the bankers told me a couple of weeks ago, you're going to need $60 billion, uh, yet a wealth of around $60 billion to be an NFL owner if you want to own the entire team. That includes putting down, if you spend $6 billion on the commanders you need to put $1.8 billion of that has to be cash, be liquid. That part can't be financed. Is that a league requirement? It's the only league that has it. It's in the NFL constitution and bylaws. You have to have 30%. And that has just shut a lot of people out. 
You know, it's the only only league that has that requirement. So at, at six billion, that's one point eight billion. So obviously, if the, that's a you know scale. But even when Rob Walton bought the bought the Broncos, he he won the bid in June last year, and I had sources saying that tell me that even he had to take out a little bit of a loan, not so obviously not for that thirty percent, but just to get the transaction kind of moving. Because when you talk about that much money in cash, Dan, it's like it's it's ins- just hard to just even put. That's more than all of us are going to make by times tens in our lives. And that's only to buy 30% of the team. You have to move that around. And, that, and and that's difficult. That's one thing. One of my sources saw the numbers that that were kind of shared with the potential owners. And the, it's not a great financial picture for it. And that, I don't know if that's why the commanders, commanders uh, sent that statement out after my story last night. But there's the financial part of it. The stadium's going to... The stadium is going to cost about three to four billion dollars. So yeah, you don't you don't add that to the price of the team, but you're going to need that within the next several seasons. And and then when you look at the revenue streams and the revenue streams from ticketing to merchandise to visiting visiting ticket sales, they're near the bottom of the league, which is unheard of in this size of a market. This is a top eight market, DMA, and how far the team has fallen since 1999 when Dan Snyder bought it. I'm not saying dollars wise, but just the, the revenue has just fallen each year. There's 20,000 less seats at that stadium now than when he bought it or within, within a year of him buying it. You know, there's there's a lot of things that, that have to be fixed. And we saw the NFLPA survey that came out Wednesday ranking the commanders dead last in um, overall and including in facilities. If you go to these games now, even their homecoming last year against their Green Bay Packers, most of the fans are Green Bay Packers fans. You go when they play NFL NFC East opponent. They're pretty much going to be Eagles fans, Cowboys fans. Not many. You know, the Commanders fans are about 50-50 at best some, at some of those games. It's it's not a good situation. This is a very, very major fixer upper. And I think one thing when we lost sight of it, when we we're talking about, oh, it's going to go for $7 billion. I have reported that. But some people are going $8 billion. When you think of like $8 billion, you're going to go for nearly twice what the Broncos sold when, they, when the Broncos have a – well, a better a better situation for their stadium. There's this has some renovations. You know, they're it's almost the same age as as, mm-hmm. as FedEx, but it's but it's in better shape. And you don't have all the other issues. The Broncos Broncos family, obviously, with the Bowen and is unfortunate. You know, health issues before he passed. You know that, but that's not what the what the Commanders have. Their commanders have scandal after scandal after scandal, pushing back. And Dan Snyder never ingratiated himself here to the fan base. And I think along with losing. This is what led us here. Yeah. If you indicate that the financials are at the bottom of the barrel, right? They're, they're last in every category, except oddly, they're number one in strength and conditioning. Uh, go figure. But they're last in everything else. How do you justify a sale price even approximating what the Broncos went for? If you're last in every other category, you have you have a dilapidated stadium, no new stadium or, or, or you know public stadium funding on the horizon. How do you get to... You know, six billion, seven billion, you know, dollars as an ask. But you get the sense, and I'll take your opinion as well. But you get the sense that he's setting the, he's setting the bar so high that he knows he's not going to get the number, and ultimately, really doesn't want to sell the team. And he's going to turn around and say, "Look, I didn't get any reasonable offers. I'm not going to sell the team at a discount." Is there a sense that that is fueling his reticence over selling? Yeah, that I mean I. I reported that as a possibility the day that he sold because it, um, Robert Sarver was this is a situation that some bankers thought Sarver was going to do when Sarver announced he got suspended he announced he's going to sell you know there was there was a there, there there were some bankers who thought by the end of that year process when the suspension was over he would keep the team obviously that's he sold but that wasn't the case so now 
is Snyder in the same boat? I think it was always headed towards a sale, but I think the sale process has taken so long that this is why we're talking about removal. Because like, you know, I think there, there, there's a sense of frustration that Snyder, one, is obviously not welcome to, I'm not saying that he's barred, but not welcome to a bid by Jeff Bezos. And I think the other part of it is it's like, you're right. What we were sold in November and the stories that came out, including including Forbes story in December, where the first round bids were above $7 billion. I was in California at Christmas and I was like, there's no way. I mean, there's no way. Because is there anybody who looks at what shape this franchise is in? You know, you're you're basically buying what it, what it was in the 80s and early 90s. That's what you're buying. You're buying you're you're buying a great historic NFL franchise that has had a rough 24 years. And I mean, it's longer than that. It, this this some of the stuff predates even Dan Snyder buying the team in 1999. So you're 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 buying. I want to say a fixer upper, but basically what NFL version of a fixer upper is? It's like a you know you got a a house that's been dilapidated, but it's on a like radio drive or something. It's something really, you know, it's on a very nice stretch of land. So that's what you're getting. And that's what pe- people love this franchise so much, at least the ones that haven't abandoned it, you know, they're, they're going to be counting on those people returning. Yeah. But I think, I think to play devil's advocate, to support the value, the increased value of the franchise, I mean, as dilapidated as it is, as poorly performing as it is, and even with the stench of Dan Snyder, you know, hanging over the franchise, the moment a new owner is, is approved by the NFL ownership group, Virginia is going to welcome the Washington Commanders with open arms. They're going to get a yeah. sweetheart land deal with like public funding, and you know, there's going to have to be some contribution by the new owner, but they're going to get a palace. They're going to get Jerry World in Virginia with all the associated commercial, well, and they're going to get online sports betting. You know, these, these different jurisdictions, Maryland, Virginia, D.C., to give yeah. sports betting licenses to the teams. Yeah, that's true. But what type of owner? That's the whole thing. We know it's going to be some rich guy who's going to buy the team. But it's like, do you do you, do you need a Mark Cuban type of person to, like, save this? I mean, they're narr- just because you have a new owner, if it's a hedge fund guy that is just as reclusive as Dan Snyder has been, I don't know. You know, there'll be a honeymoon period for sure. Anybody but Dan Snyder. That's everybody. Oh guys, this, that all the time. This new owner, whoever it is, could be, you know, sort of David Berkowitz or Charles Manson. He'll be treated like like Steve <laughs> Cohen is treated of the New York Times. There'll be a honeymoon, a honeymoon period yeah. that lasts longer than most marriages. Okay. It will be like night and day. I think the problem here, AJ, is you hit upon a really important barrier in that whoever comes up as the high bidder is going to have to front 30% cash. To pay for their bid, yeah. and if at a six point three billion dollar valuation, which you reported is the high bid, so far, we're looking mm-hmm. at two billion dollars down, and mm-hmm. some of the bidders that 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 have been publicly speculated about Tillman Fertitta, he's worth eight billion. Josh Harris is worth conveniently six point three billion. Are those individuals going to put up, you know, one third or one quarter of their total net worth as a down payment? That would be yeah, those that- one person, only one person in the universe that would be able to just write this check and not bat an eye or not feel the pain in his pocketbook, which would be Jeff Bezos, who's worth a hundred and seventeen yeah. billion dollars. That's an easy, an easy substitution. Bezos for Snyder. What are you hearing about yeah. Bezos's viability as a bidder and Snyder's receptiveness? To a Bezos bid. Yeah. Also, just one thing. Those valuations are 
estimates? We don't know. I mean, they, people, especially when it comes to hedge funds managers, like um, obviously Harris's background and the others, um, you know, they, you don't really know how much they're worth. It's, you know, Forbes does their best and other Bloomberg do, do their best jobs trying to encapsulate what they, their, their value. You, you never really know though. I mean, that's just, those are kind of, and I'm not saying they're guesses, they're more than guesses, but yes, there's, there, there's things going on behind the scenes and I'm trying to hold a Jerry Jones for a week on this. But I've, I've been hearing for about a week now that there's behind the scenes that these these some owners and possibly league executives have been kind of trying to, you know, work smooth things over between Snyder and Bezos, not, you know, over Snyder's up, being upset over Bezos for the, owning the Washington Post. And I think that's the easiest path. You're right. The easiest path towards a new owner would be Dan Snyder just kind of saying, all right, let's let's sit down with Bezos. You see that rationally happening? I mean, Bezos is... A lot of people are trying to make it work. But the fact that we've seen so many reports, including mine yesterday, that, you know, just about if removal is in play. And I mean, with removal is in play, that'll take it out of Snyder's hands. And I don't, you know, I think that's still, we're not going to know until the end of the month for the league meetings where that even is. And that could take longer than that. I don't, they don't want to do it. They don't want to set a precedent even for Dan Snyder. They do not want to remove anybody and I don't even know right now if 24 votes are there. I think they were getting close back in November before the sale. We saw what, what Jim Mersey said a few weeks before that in October at, at the fall owners meeting. So I thought there was merit for removal. But there needs to be 24. And a lot of the owners still, they, they want to give Snyder a, a little more time and a little, and just, you know, have him choose. Because there's litigation. Obviously, he's, he's subject to arbitration like everybody else. Dan Snyder can sue for anybody. But when you're subject to arbitration, it's probably not going to be it's a process that Goodell oversees, as you know, very well. Yeah, but the way I look at it, the concern over the precedent being set, I, I think that's overstated because the precedent exists by virtue of the ability to remove an owner being in the Constitution already. It's exactly. there. The precedent mm-hmm. is there. The precedent is the language in the Constitution that gives the commissioner that right. And it's been exercised throughout other sports, Major League Baseball, yeah. you know, Marge Shot, and the NBA. Yeah, for various reasons, too. I mean, usually in other sports, it is because of financial reasons. And I, Art Modell, was, he wasn't going to be removed, you know, but he had to sell because of financial reasons. That mm-hmm. was as close as it's got in modern NFL history. You know, it was, it, that wasn't, it probably wouldn't have been a removal process, but it was, the, the financial constraints, I don't have any indication the commanders are in any way, shape, or form like the, the, the former Browns were. But it's it's not looking good. But yeah, you're right. There's been uh, every every other sport. There's various reasons. You know, the Dodgers got removed for Frank McCourt for being for having financial issues. Marshot, you mentioned. You also you you also have an NBA. You you have Sterling. So every other sport has pretty much had it except for the NFL. Well, and the NFL has so many avenues or options to choose from with guilt or you know misconduct. I mean, you have you have all the alleged improprieties at issue in the federal investigation in Virginia. You have the sexual harassment allegations. You have reams and reams of documentary evidence, testimony, people willing to come in to talk, harassment of 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 witnesses, interruption and obstruction of investigations. This person's record is unparalleled in the history of professional sports. George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner was sidelined for like what was it a couple of years or two years. Because he he paid somebody to dig up dirt on Dave Winfield, that was yeah. the bar in Major League Baseball thirty years ago, and I don't think any of the other owners are looking over their shoulder, worrying about that precedent being set in nineteen ninety one, impacting them over time. Those are those are one offs. Those are such extreme, you know, just outrageous types of misfeasance, malfeasance that an owner's not going to get removed 
over an accident, over inadvertence, yeah. over negligence. You've got to you've got to commit really horrific or bad conduct. And I guess yeah. what we're seeing over the course of several sports is that it's happening with far more regularity than it used to happen. I mean, the, the conventional argument was that look at all the players who have been arrested for crimes over the course of their lives. And, and people point to the, I guess, the percentage of players who've been under criminal investigation. I think in the ownership ranks, the, the misconduct might even be at a higher percentage when you look at all of the civil <laughs> lawsuits and some of the, you know, some of the recent, you know, yeah. Dan Snyder, Jim Dolan, you know, this is not a choir here. This, these are some pretty, pretty serious uh, allegations, but let's, let's talk about March 26, because all, all of what we're talking about so far on this podcast is a prelude to the moment of truth, which will be three weeks from now, three weeks and one day from now in Phoenix, Arizona, I presume you've got your flight booked and you're going to be out there trying to get information, yes. find out what's happening. One, one of your tweets got my attention and maybe the language you used was inadvertent, but you suggested in a tweet on, uh, on Friday that one of the factors that may be bearing on the lack of movement in the sale of the commanders is the possibility that prospective bidders feel that the NFL could take over the franchise via removal of Dan Snyder. Are you referring to an extraordinary type of situation where the league just takes over the franchise? Or are we talking about the more conventional route, having a mini trial? But yeah, so it would be the, it's what we're talking about now. The 24 votes, the same threshold you need to approve an owner a threshold you need to remove one. Who's going to do the job? Who is going to be the owner that steps up to the place? Is it going to be, first of all, the commissioner can do it himself? Yeah, the Goodell can nominate. It could happen that way. And it very it spells it out in the Constitution that he can do it that way. I think it's going to be more, 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 more likely a consortium of owners along with Goodell. I mean, I think Goodell, Goodell is, you know, the owners are his boss still. And even Dan Snyder is still his boss. That's how, that's how you have to look at it. So it's going to be a groundswell, and I've reported this several times. It'll be a groundswell of owners, and it's going to be it. And they are not going to put them up for a vote until they have the votes. It's kind of like in, it's kind of like how they do in Congress. You know, they're not going to throw a bill up there for a floor vote until they're assured there's 24. They're not going to do it just to just to embarrass Dan Snyder. They're not going to be put that up there until. So yeah, you're right. Three weeks from now is the is the owners' meetings. There's no indication that we'll have the Mary Jo White report by then. That is going to be, that is very, very interesting to me because you've covered this. We, we go back with Zeke a long time about, you know, personal conduct policy. You know how the NFL works when it comes to investigations of, under the personal conduct policy. They allow the police to investigate and then conclude their investigation typically. Now we know that what the DOJ is doing, you, we know what the U.S. Attorney's Office is doing, the grand jury, the FBI, the IRS. I just don't know if this impacts Mary Jo White's report because if there is... And you can tell me I'm wrong. This is more just my reading into it. I don't have. But if they put something out that the FBI and IRS don't have, that'll be problematic, possibly. If Mary Jo White finds something that the feds could go after, that's problematic. Does also, do, does, he, does she have to hold back certain things to not jeopardize a criminal investigation? Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, there's, there's going to have to be some discussion because- this is going back to December. December, we got the Congress, the, the House Oversight Committee report. Not a lot of new information in there. Nothing new on the financial stuff, which stuck out of me. When, when I was reading that, I'm like, wow, they just sent that letter to the FTC last April, and that was it? And it was like they basically 
stepped over to the FTC. We got the, the attorneys general in DC, Virginia and Maryland going off and up. Maryland's Maryland settled, DC sued, two lawsuits. Virginia is still going. But this kind of all sparked this, whatever's happening with the DOJ right now. So, and we don't even know the full extent of it. It goes, all right, from my information, it goes beyond what ESPN reported Tuesday. There's other things they're looking at. They did send the team, you know, a request for information that the story we broke last March and early April before at the FTC letter, it, w- it was all about the revenue holding back, ticket revenue, maybe, you know, the whole two books thing that we broke. It is that as well, but there's something else. There's the other things they're looking at. I can't uh, violate confidence, but there's, there's other things and which I'm working on. Um, hopefully I'll be able to very, very soon to get to once I, you know, once it's been vetted past my editors and once I'm very, very, very comfortable with it, because there's one thing to report on a sale and I've been very accurate with my reporting on that. When you're reporting on criminality, potential criminality, it is very, very difficult. You can't make accusations that you don't have pretty much, you know, physical proof of, or at least viewing something. Can't going off, you know, you, you can go off sources for a lot of things going off, you know, alleging financial and financial impropriety, any kind of criminal. This is not speaking about Snyder. She's just speaking about my entire career covering this. That, that bar is very high. I don't know if it's a matter of defamation so much as it is journalistic, journalistic ethics, right? Mm-hmm. Because you use the weasel words or, or at least the couch it as sort of not factual, but yeah. it's being, you know, a, a possible that it's being investigated, which yeah. may get the story out there. But, you know, from a journalistic from a journalism ethics point of view, I guess you want to sort of nail everything down shut before you report. Yeah, it, that's anytime you allege everything. And even even my report last March and April about the two books and more about holding revenue back, none of that pointed back. I mean, the outsider was not listed in the, few, the, the top paragraphs because nothing ever points. A lot of my reporting and reporting by others, I, except for Don's story Tuesday, pointed back to Dan Snyder directly. That is so rare to have anything that Congress or anybody else is investigating that points directly back to Snyder. Obviously, Tiffany Johnston pointed right back to Snyder. Mary Jo White's investigating that. That's how it started 13 months ago. About 11 months ago, she added on the financial part of it. So now the financial part is also wrapped up in this DOJ investigation. So that's that's another whole thing. It's like, I don't, that's going to possibly have an impact. This is just my analysis. This will possibly have an impact of what Mary Jo White's going to report. People might say this is the dead time in the sports calendar. It is not if you are in the sports betting world. College basketball is heating up. Guys, the calendar is just turning to March. March Madness team, it is time to hop on board. College basketball, NBA, spring training for some of us. This might be the best time of the year. March Madness is uh, one of my favorite activities. But if you're looking to wager on college basketball and all things, use our friends over at Better Edge. Use our promo code CONDUCT. No, but there's something there's something else there. I want I want to get to that in a little while, but I want to I want to ask you about the prospect of Dan Snyder selling something less than his entire interest in the team because you reported that, you know, Snyder keeps two or kept two sets of books. You have these allegations made by the former limited partners that were featured in uh, Don Van Atta Jr.'s story. So it leads me to, you know, ask, well, why would anybody ever want to be a limited partner? Yes. Of Snyder, if Bank of America is issuing a prospectus for the sale, you issue prospectuses when you want to sell limited interest, not the entire interest. And the statement that the Washington Commanders sent to you last night, calling your story blatantly false. By the way, you should wear that as a badge of honor because your oh, your batting yeah. average, your batting average is like, you know, George Brett, Rod Carew, like, you know, times two. Uh, your, your batting average in, in the realm of accuracy 
is much better than the Washington Commanders, you know, sort of batting average in terms of veracity. So I, I take that one with a badge of honor, but there was something that caught my eye in the statement yes. uh, to front office sports or about front office sports. It says front office sports tonight posted a blatantly false report, not true, regarding the ongoing process involving a potential commander's transaction. Yes, and you highlighted that. That is very interesting. It's a sale. Sale is the potential sale. Why did they use transaction? I think it might be because they're keeping their options open. I think that him keeping even 10% of the team right now, and there's... There's been, I think there's been at least one report this week that they want him around just in case these, whatever, whatever these legal cases or this, this federal investigation goes. I don't know. You know, there's, there's two things. All right. Uh, so there's, that has to be approved too. You know, obviously any, any, any change of ownership, even the 40% that Dan Snyder bought two years ago, you know, the 40% buying out the three co-owners that required two approvals. First, the, you know, the debt waiver and then him taking on that part of the team. And so any kind of ownership change is going to require 24 votes. Now, that's also the, on the on the second part of it, Dan Snyder taking less money for all the team to, to, to spite Jeff Bezos, which is one theory out there, that has to be approved. And I think if there's a chance that both of those scenarios, the NFL owners could not get to 24 votes. So then you're back to square one. Then you're back with Dan Snyder keeping the team and then whatever, keep it selling again, putting it back on the market, figuring something else out. You raise a great point because if Snyder receives perceived below market value, that could have the effect. Mm -hmm. Yes. Especially if there's a known bid that is maybe even, I would say within a couple hundred million dollars, just, just to, just to spite Jeff Bezos. I, you know, this is my analysis, not sourced. My analysis on that would be that the the owners probably approved that it was a couple hundred million dollars difference. If, 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 and there's a big if that Bezos bid, but he goes with Josh Harris or somebody else. You know, there if it's if it's above a certain threshold, you know, my analysis is there's a chance that the owners wouldn't approve it. It's likely going to sell for more than four point six five billion dollars that the that, that the Broncos sold for last year. But it's even to get to that five billion dollar number in the and and Washington Post at five point five billion from Fertitta. My six point three billion number that I got very well sourced that the team had no issues with about a, about six weeks ago. That bid has kind of gone away as far as I can tell. I cannot figure out, I, I, I can never report who bid it, bid that number, but that was the highest bid that we know through the first couple months of this, the sale process. That bid may have gone away. So bidders drop off when one, most likely, the most top reason is they can't get 30% liquid as part of the transaction. That's the highest, that's the highest bar. And the NFL is going to need to change that going forward because this is this has caused a problem in this sale and it caused a problem for all the future sales. Now they're going to, Will, will they relax hedge fund or is our private equity buying part of a team or being a majority owner? Possibly. They need to re-examine that 30% number because it is very prohibitive. I mean, you have to be worth so many tens of billions of dollars. AJ, could the owners just agree to waive it in the case of this sale? That's an interesting question. I've been trying to figure that out. And that's require, yeah, it would require an amendment to the constitution. There's several amendments. We got the most recent version of the Constitution as part of the as part of the John Gruden's case in Discovery. It's had the most updated version. It, they made the change when when Tish became a part owner of the Giants. So they do make changes, but there's no indication that they're going to make any change for the sale yet. I think for this one, they're going to just go with the current rules. It's getting so out of hand, though. I think I think that's something they're going to reexamine. And and we, we we're asking Roger Goodell this over. The lack of people of color, lack of women owners, uh, because that 30% rule does 
impact, not just, it, it impacts everybody, including the potential of having a second non-white owner in the NFL. Does it have to be a singular owner? Can it just be a consortium? You put together yeah. a, a group? Here's the problem. So that 30% number is twofold. 30%, you have to have 30% as a controlling owner, at least 30%. So that person, after you get to 30, you can finance the rest. Nobody else can own 30, more than 30%. So you can't have just, you're going to need more than four, three or four owners, and along with maybe maybe loans from a bank or whatever else you, however else you want to finance it. But the, no, nobody else can own more than the controlling owner. So if you have three rich guys worth the same, one of them has to step up and take that 30%. And it has to be linked right to him. It has to be his money. Well, they, they, can, they can't jointly contribute to the 30%. One person has to meet the 30% cash down payment threshold. Yeah. Well, it kind of eliminates fine. you and me and, and you know, most people <laughs> in our audience. I mean... I don't know how many people walk around with $2 billion in cash handy. I mean, the the, yeah. the, the universe of potential yeah. business here probably, you know. So, yeah, it took it took 64 days between the between Rob Walton's group and Rob Walton being the controlling owner of the, of the, the Broncos. It took 50 days between the announcement and before the finance committee, 50 days. The application goes into the NFL, the packet slash application goes to the NFL, goes to the NFL finance committee. They give... They don't really give their approval, but they review it. And then they pass along for for their recommendation for a full vote. That took 50 days. And then it took another 14 days for the, the NFL owners to convene at the Mall of America in Minnesota to vote. So that was a 64-day process. So a lot of people, I, I was one of the few that said there's no chance that, <laughs> this is like a couple months ago, going, even going up to now. The, the, everybody, and there was some reports here. Uh, that you know that yeah, that he have somebody in place, and there's going to be a vote at the NFL owners meeting. There's zero chance at this point, unless you know, I, there's no application in, as far as I can tell. I've been asking, you know, into the finance committee. We would know by now. So if you go 64 days, it could happen today. We're looking two months down the line. Now, could that process be truncated for certain people like Bezos? Sure. I mean, I think that's the review process for for Jeff Bezos is not going to take long if he bids. The review process for others could take a little longer because it's. It's a lot of money, and 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 during that process, you know, these the controlling owner is going to be moving assets around, depending on what those assets are. If they're stocks, it'll be easier to sell than if it's real estate. It's a long process, and let that thirty percent is a, is a major factor. AJ, how much access are the uh, bidders given to the books and records of the commanders? You're talking about two sets of books, and Snyder, you know, sort of concealing some information from other buyers and from his limited partners in the past, he didn't get the sign off from the three limited partners for $55 million line of credit. What are you hearing about how transparent Snyder is, is being, how, how much access prospective bidders are getting to the books of the, of the commanders to see the true financial picture of the organization? Is he pulling some stuff back? Uh, are you hearing any, in any sense that there's frustration over not seeing the full financial picture of the Washington Commanders, which would hamper the ability to bid the, the true value. Yeah, I don't know. That's part of the process I'm not sure about. The fact that I reported yesterday that you know there are financials being sh shared that show the you know the financial like the revenue streams of the team being kind of not on par where they should be for the size of a market. So that information got out there, got, and that information got to me. That did not come from any of the bidding parties. I will say that, but the information got out there. So, and it's not. It's it's accurate and it's it's that's also no duh. Wow, you're really saying that team with the one of the worst lighting attendants, the stadium being twenty thousand seats smaller than when he bought the team or around when he bought the team. You're telling me that the ticket sales are down. Oh, thanks, AJ. But I'm like, yeah, well, 
you know, that's, but that's information that, you know, including merchandise sales too, which was new to me. I got that information yesterday as well. So there's that and the stadium along that 30% you need. It's bogged down things. I would say bogged down things a little, you know, in, in ways that another team selling in the NFL wouldn't, you know, the last one, the last team to sell before the Broncos was the Carolina Panthers. And obviously Richardson, who just passed away a couple of days ago, Tepper wasn't the highest bidder for that one. Interestingly, you know, he came away with it, but he was, uh, you know, he was, he was the easiest choice because he had the finances. He had, he had the wealth. He was able to reach that 30% threshold. It was a lot lower for, for his team than it's going to be for this one as far as to- total dollars. But when you get to this process, you know, they're going to go the easiest path forward. Easiest path forward right now is Jeff Bezos if Dan Snyder is talked into selling to him. Okay. Before we wrap up our conversation, I want a game plan here for March 26th. Okay. What does Dan Snyder need to do? on or before March 26th to forestall the invocation of, of, of the Constitution of bylaws to, to get rid of him. What does he need to do? He's not going to be able to consummate a sale or to have an agreement. Maybe well, he has an agreement in principle. What needs to happen? Yeah. Basically an agreement in principle. That he can walk away from afterwards? Uh, well, it's all, I mean, it has to be something real. I mean, you can't just pick somebody who has, who, who, who may have issues raising, get, getting that 30% threshold or, or even financing the entire purchase price, whatever that is, it's probably going to be around six or a little below. That's a tough part to, to gauge because if it's going to be someone like Harris, who has already went through the betting process and, and already went through the bidding process with the Broncos, you know, the league already, he's a known entity. He's a known quantity. So is Bezos. And some of the other candidates, uh, Tillman's kind of an interesting one, but these other candidates have been involved in NFL discussions over teams before. That's going to help them out. If, you know, if Dan Snyder goes and picks somebody else we never heard of who has, we, we don't, can hard to verify things, maybe that'll hold it up. It's just, it's just a major unknown because that would stop the process. That's the only thing I think it's going to stop the process, you know, towards removal. Will NFL, will Hash or Goodell or somebody else, the NFL front office kind of put the brakes on it if they're worried about this investigation? You know, maybe that's, I don't. I've had no indication that's going to be the case, but you know, it's always a possibility. So many possibilities, even before these, uh, the ESPN, the Washington Post stories this week, the owners were frustrated by the pace, but by not knowing by now who was the leader, you know, and it's it, that, and that was before they learned, you know, that and the team denied it, like the done denied my story, the identification request, you know, the Mary Jo White report, asked, Snyder allegedly asking not to, to hold back the Mary Jo White report. That was before that. And obviously before ESPN reported about the, the federal investigation. So there's going to, you know, there's a lot of smoke right now, you know, to, to, to put that fire out, at least for the interim would be picking somebody that has a good chance of moving forward. I'm cynical, AJ. I, I don't think there's going to be any change in the status quo between now and March 26th. We're only three weeks away. Snyder's had four months to sell a team. It sounds like he's digging his heels in. He's starting to ask for, uh, you know, indemnification and starting, starting to sort of, you know, weasel out or wiggle out of some prior assurances that he gave the league seemingly. So I think we're going to get to March 26th. Nothing is going to happen. And then at the meeting, they can't actually have the trial at the meeting. They can just sort of have the conversation about what to do next. Yes. And then that's going to yeah. be another process. It won't happen at an owner's meeting. It will have to happen at a special meeting. And then there's time, you know, there's an investigation that the league would have to do, sort of investigation followed by, the scheduling of a hearing and all the while this is going to be taking place against the backdrop of NFL free agency and the NFL draft. You're going to, you're going to have a mini trial 
about Dan Snyder's fate at the same time that all these things are going on, which is the busiest part of the NFL's offseason, color me skeptical. But I don't see any of this happening in real time because of the, the reality of all that the league has on its plate taking precedence over having, you know, everybody drop what they're doing and the owners having to devote, I don't know, one week, two weeks, you know, full time to sitting in the middle of a trial when teams are focused on trying to, you know, acquire players and, and scout players for the beginning of the 2023 NFL season. This is like the worst time of the year to have this kind of chaos ensue off the field. So my my suspicion is that there'll be a lot of saber rattling, but nothing in actuality happening. And maybe they'll try to force his hand somehow with threats. What is your sense of what's going to happen by March 26th and the, and the NFL's response to it? I think you're going to have what we've been have, having, but even before the, the sale announcement, a lot of the, uh, at least some owners, we don't know which ones, it's, but trying to talk Snyder into selling. Just, dude, just take the money. Go. But Pretty- that, that hasn't worked so far. I mean, the, he did announce a sale. Now, whether, you know, which did put all that talk on hold. And that's kind of reignited this week. I mean, there is there is a push for removal again. Now, per my sources and per reporting by the, by the Washington Post, that is happening. Now, whether it's just a threat or they're going to follow through with it, you know, who knows? But there, there has to be some movement before the owners' meetings. You know, there's no agenda item on either next week's, as far as, you know, for my sources, there's no agenda item on Snyder for next week's uh, special meetings, which are kind of, they're the precursor to the, to the full meetings. They're just kind of all, all the committees meet before the big meeting to discuss it. There's no agenda item on that meeting next week about Snyder. And I don't think we're going to have one until Mary Jo White's report is released. That's the other part that has, I think that, I think it's unlikely to, there's going to be a movement towards that direction, Dan, until Mary Jo White's report comes out. Last question, Dan Snyder has been a noted absentee at some of the recent NFL owners meetings. He's been sending his wife, who's been standing in as mm-hmm. sort of designee for Dan Snyder, while Snyder's been under, quote unquote, you know, double secret probation or suspension, everything that his lawyers dispute that he's ever been under suspension. Will he be attending this meeting? Because it seems that the owners may be reluctant to talk about him without him being there. So is there, uh, are you getting any sense that Snyder's becoming more integrated or actively involved in the day-to-day stuff where he would actually attend the meeting like the 31 other owners do? Yeah, I, he wasn't very involved in the in the hiring process for Eric Bietemi, I was told. You know, there was, a, I think there was a discussion after after Rivera and after Jason Wright and Martin Mayhew made the decision. There was a discussion, I think, one-on-one with Eric Bieniemy and Snyder. But he reportedly didn't go to the last two games. He's his new his he's listed his primary residence as London. There's very several signs that he's not as hands-on as he was, especially earlier early in his tenure as owner back in '99, 2000, signing these old free agents and stuff, and firing coaches, and there's everything else. At the end of the season, there was a feeling that you know Dan is kind of not not say checked out, but you know that that he's not as involved as he was, and he can be. You know, as far as we can tell, he's. Even Jerry Jones told me last March at the owners' meetings that he had full full right to be at the owners' meetings, but Tanya's there and and she's doing a great job and you know everything else. But Dan Snyder has not attended an owners' meeting since the start of the pandemic, so it's been it's been a few years. It's been you know a long time now, about three. So it'll be interesting to see if he if he if he goes. That'll be a major indication. But he hasn't, and there's I have no information whether he's it's yeah. going to be him or Tanya or both of them at the owners' meetings come March. This is one of the strangest sagas in NFL history. Just it just mind-boggling everything that's been 
going on, the, the litany of stuff that seems to continually happen in and around you know, the, the commanders and Snyder. I almost expect that at some point between now and March 26th, there's going to be some new development that nobody saw coming. And I'm not talking about a sale or a bidder that just emerges. I'm talking about some crazy thing. It could be indictment, could be so, something something new that's just going to shake yeah. the foundation of everything that we, we've been reporting because that's been par for the course when it comes to Snyder and the commander. So expect the unexpected. But one thing we can expect, AJ, is that you'll be all over it and you're going to be one of the first people in the media to break any news about the commanders and or Snyder is, is this in your career, you've been doing breaking news around sports and breaking stories for as long as I've been in this space, which is about almost a decade. Is this top yeah. for you? Where does this stand in the annals of all Man. the stories you've covered in your career covering the, the sports industry? Yeah. I mean, I've covered this topic for two straight years, nonstop over two and a half years, him suing, look at, look at, we go through, we, we got the India lawsuit for misinformation, the alleged misinformation campaign. We got him using the federal court system, the, the petitions uh, to support that lawsuit, going after several people, including Bruce Allen and others over, oh, and this is going back a couple of years now, using the federal court system to aid that lawsuit that Congress said last year was just, you know, a shadow investigation. They were using that. They got call records during that process, call records of sources talking to reporters at the Washington Post. You know, there's been, this has been a, just a crazy story. And it's like, there's so much out there and it, nothing shocks me at this point. And I'm working on stuff that would be shocking if I can, if I can confirm it about this process. It's, it's like nothing I've ever covered. It's very hard for a reporter living here because um, I want to, as I'm, I'm very competitive. I also live not too far from the headquarters. You hear things and you hear the craziest things. A lot of the things don't pan out. You have to be very careful as a reporter, and I am. And that's why, that's why that statement last night was, I wasn't shocked by it, but I was not also, you know, I'm, I'm also very confident in my reporting. I have been very confident, everything, had a lot, pretty much everything, including the, in, including the two books. Days later, Congress confirmed my reporting. It's going to be a great 30 for 30. It's going to be a great dramatized movie. It's going to be, I mean, when this is all over, we're kind of, I, I, I'm not saying we're the tip of the iceberg right now. We're not. I think we're at the, we're about halfway down the iceberg at this point, but there is going to be more out there. And, um, you know, and by, and I'm not the only reporter on this, obviously I'm one reporter at one independent outlet who's been doing his best. You got three, three or four reporters at Washington post. You got three reporters at ESPN. They're not the only ones either. There's other, there's a bunch of other reporters out there looking into things. This, maybe this is it. Maybe this is all, maybe this is all we can confirm. This is going to be it. He's going to sell. He's going to keep whatever going by the last few years. You know, you can't say it's over because we're always shocked by other things that come out. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about Snyder, and I, I think part of me, I know the Washington Commanders fan base is not going to want to hear this, but I, I kind of like to see litigation. It's what I enjoy commenting, reporting on, analyzing. The moment Snyder's sale to whomever, you know, owner X is approved by the NFL, he goes away and all this all this sort of, you know, the storylines disappear to the detriment of what we do for a living. And part of me wants to see the NFL kind of, you know, conduct a trial, 
We get to report on that. Snyder sues in federal court to overturn the forced sale. He seeks TROs. Everything is in federal yeah. court. There's transparency, and we can report about it in real time because in the federal yeah. court system, our access to the PACER database gives us real-time breaking developments on every development in a lawsuit. And this is a case, if it would ever go to the limit with antitrust and you know all the you know recriminations going 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 both ways this could be a multi-year legal saga but but then again i i i i care about the game and i care about the league a, a, as a fan and and were that to happen it would basically throw the commanders into the equivalent of a receivership i mean as it is right now all the people at the executive level, you know, you know, Rivera, Jason Wright, whoever is like involved, they're going to be phased out when a new owner comes aboard. So it's almost like the organization, it's almost like the franchise is in receivership already. And the longer that this process drags out, uh, it, it, it's going to really prevent the commanders from becoming one of the, you know, you know, top franchises in the league. And they're going to be a bottom feeder for as long as there's this uncertainty. And cash crunch surrounding. Mm -hmm. So, if Snyder continues to dig in, resist selling, and there's this you know multi-front, multi-tiered legal battle, it really shows to me that he doesn't give a damn about the team or the fan base. That this is simply about him, because yeah. fighting this is going to be to the detriment of the Washington Commanders. They need they need a new face, new owner, a changing of the guard, and the longer he stays in place delays that from ever occurring anyway aj we could go on and talk about we could do a dan snyder telethon and just do 24 hours straight and start taking donations but you've been breaking so many stories i have a feeling we're going to have you back on within a couple of weeks dan lost will join us and <laughs> there's a lot of field left in in this story and march 26th is, is the date of the moment of truth and we'll have you back on and obviously yeah. anyone who, who's following this story that wants to know what's happening in real time, AJ is about as good as it gets for following and covering the Washington Commander's Dan Snyder saga. So give AJ a follow on Twitter by AJ, at by AJ Perez. Read his work on front office sports. I mean, he's truly, truly a, a sports industry insider. Basically, our version of Adam Schefter, Rap, and Woj all combined into one and hopefully you'll get paid like them at some point <laughs> no yeah, yeah yeah maybe this has been a very there's so many things going on in sports right now with legal side of it which you guys cover very well on this podcast and on your website so there's a you know this is there's no lack of it thanks for having me on and uh, yeah please follow along where it's possibly coming to a head a lot of us hope stay tuned it's going to be very interesting once uh once the end of the month gets here all right. Well, thanks again, AJ, for making time on your busy weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll follow your work. And it was just a pleasure talking to you about all things Snyder, Commanders, and whatever the topic of the day is. We'll have you back for Liv, for Michael Irvin, and all those other stories you're covering. You're the hardest working man in, in like sports industry journalism. No question about it. So have a great rest of the weekend. And we'll talk to you very soon, AJ. Thanks for having me on.